Rich Voss is a longtime stand-up comedian, podcaster, and more, who is going to be here in Austin headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Find out more about Rich, his shows, his specials, and everything else at richvoss.com. And if you have time, on Friday night, there's only one show that has tickets left for Rich Voss headlining at the Fat Man this weekend. That would be the late Friday show. Go to ComedyMothership.com right now to snag those tickets. That show will most certainly sell out like the others already have. Rich, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Not bad. I mean, uh, it's Monday, so I guess the week of stress falls all down in the morning uh, of, of, of the week. But you know what? I'm just going to live a moment at a time today. I'm not going to let it all get to me. My- You've got some extra stressful things going on right now because you are uh, closing on a new house, which means you get to pack up the old house here coming up in the next couple weeks. Yeah, we're... Plus, I'm going to hold two mortgages until I sell this, but I'll wait till this is all cleaned out, paint what needs to be painted. You know, I mean, I'm giving up an acre of property. Uh, you know, behind behind me, though, let's see if you can see this. Hold on. It's a too bright. You can't see those buildings. Right, yeah. Come on. Can't see them. Uh, right a week after we moved in bulldozers a house away they built 190 units right one house away behind us a week after we moved in i mean i would still stay here don't get me i don't care you know i like i said maker of property you know i got my golf net in the back i hit into the guy behind us is crazy and he's nuts and then the building and the guy to the right of us has this gigantic above ground pool which doesn't bother me but my wife that's trash i can't look at it i go shut up you grew up on a farm i grew up in you know in a neighborhood where there were gunfights so a, a above ground pool doesn't bother me what are you kidding me you know this is like the fresh air fun living out here but she get a house. She got a house with an in-ground. I, I say built-in pool. She goes, it's called in-ground. Where I'm from, it's built-in. Right. A built-in pool. I, you think I want to deal with that bullshit? No. <laughs> I don't give a shit about that. But anything, everything's okay. Sorry, I'm just talking. No, you're good. I'm curious, your crazy neighbor, what makes this person so crazy? Well, no, he's not... He's a nice guy. He's an old, no, he's not old. He's younger than me, but he, he his wife passed away like three weeks ago. Uh, he's not crazy at all. It's just that my wife doesn't look like looking at some big above ground pool, you know, one of those, uh, which I, and one of my bits I do on stage, my other neighbor to the left of me is Palestinian. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Jew. Mm. So every couple months late at night, I wake up and I sneak and I move his fence six <laughs> inches closer to his house. <laughs> you know, uh, that's one of my bits. I'm not doing material, but 
Actually, that bit just got 250,000 views online. That's the most views I ever got off of sites. I guess that's pretty good, 250,000 views. I mean, a lot of death threats, but. <laughs> it reminds you know. me of the uh, the Palestinian chicken episode from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's a good bit. And I think people who follow stand-up for a while have known about you for a while, but I also feel like in a way you're finally really starting to get your due too. Obviously you're headlining at Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec. And you're a part of this uh, this crazy uh, summer comedy tour that Burt Kreischer is putting on right now, which is also pretty cool as well. I mean, do you feel like, uh, even though you've been doing it for a long time, that you are finally starting to receive a little bit more respect in the words of Rodney Dangerfield? No, no. Uh, I mean, things go in waves. Like, you know, if you look at a heart monitor, it goes up and down. If it goes straight across, you're dead. I mean, one, and this is, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm well-respected amongst my peers. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I've done it, I've done everything you could do. I mean, I, you know, I was on Tough Crowd for how many episodes? And during that, you know, Tough Crowd, uh, back then, when they were hot, Opie and Anthony, uh, last comic standing, you know, I was doing so I had, you know, a, a big run back then. And since then, I mean, that was a big run, a network TV show, and tough crowd. And, you know, since then, uh, my wife and I, who's a comic, Bonnie McFarland, mm -hmm. we've had pilots, I've done, you know, I've done so many little things to stay relevant I, I just put out my seventh album you know seven seven albums is and you know and that's not even crowd i could do a whole crowd work album if i wanted or two you know what i mean so it goes in ways right now i got some heat again i'm, I'm taping a special excuse me next month and uh i taped one five years ago that's about to come out it's a, i taped it at a 12-step convention at an oh, na wow. convention which has never been done so when that comes out uh you know it, it just you just got to try to stay relevant that's all i'm not i'm i'm old so just the fact that i'm still semi-relevant is pretty good and i know people that my age have quit a long time ago well, I love the AANA idea. That's like Johnny Cash recording in Folsom Prison. And well, yeah. You, you, mean, you've obviously never... talked about your recovery uh, over time. I mean, is a lot of the yeah. material geared towards that particular crowd? Well, that crowd is a convention. It's all 12 step. I don't show the audience, obviously, because they're anonymous. Right. Uh, my backdrop looks like a meeting with the coffee pots, the donuts, the signs, the chairs set up. That's how my stage looked behind me. And I did probably half recovery material and half regular material and some crowd work. So uh, it's never been done before, you know, and it, my managers had it for five years. I would have put it up a long time ago, but I don't own it. So now it's going to go up on different platforms. And then the new one will be mostly new material, 
maybe a couple things from the other one. You know, I didn't write tons of new recovery material. I wrote some new, you know, as we go, as I go along. But, you know, I just, like I said, staying relevant in this business, you know, my, we had a podcast. I still go into serious and do stuff there. You know, it's uh, whatever level you get to, you want to be at the next level. You know, mm. it, it just, do you think, I mean, it's great. When I was on Bird's tour last week or two weeks ago, it was amazing. Do you really think Bert needs to do that? Bert could just and go, you know, and I'll, I'll do some clubs. And, but he, he, he keeps growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys who seems like he's really doing it for the love of the game as much as anything else. Like, he loves stand-up comedy so much that he – kind of innovated the whole doing it at the uh, drive-in theater setup at the start of COVID. And now he's doing yeah. this, uh, this summer comedy tour and he's not the first one to do it necessarily, but man, the amount of excitement surrounding this tour. And I think it is going into the fall and it's not stopping here in Austin, but it's going to be in Houston and Dallas and maybe yeah. even Houston. And like, he's just trying to bring people that he loves who also do stand up together to just, help a crowd have a good time for a while. And I'm assuming you guys have a blast also on it, stage and then also behind the scenes too. It was great. I mean, he, him and his wife put amazing tour together. They're so nice. The whole, everything about it, all the workers, all the people, all the, every, everybody, there was not one, I could not find a complaint. And mm. I tried to, uh, the food was amazing. Everything was amazing. <laughs> he was amazing, you know, uh, the shows were great. I've done big audiences like that during, you know, the Opie and Anthony tour. I hosted the first half of those tours, and those were 10, 12,000 people. Uh, I hosted Woodstock 99, just about 30 seconds of me in that documentary uh, where I'm saying, let's go crazy, let's go wild. I wasn't on the stage where the fires were, but I was on the second biggest stage. So, uh, it's it's so different when you're doing a crowd that size. It's crazy, you know. Uh, and it was so much fun. That tour, it was. I, I I was glad that I got to do four nights. I was very happy about it. Were you still at Woodstock '99 when things went really sideways there? Well, we I my stage uh, Megadeth was closing my stage. Huh. As they went on, I was. We were in a van leaving. But we, you know, I guess we took the back routes in and out. But as we're leaving, you could see some, a couple fires in way down wherever. And you, we're not even paying attention. We're just going, I'm going like, let's get the hell out of here. I've been here three days. I'm tired. Yeah. You know, even driving home the next day, I didn't really, you didn't really understand what went on until you watched the news. or Because it was a whole nother stage, a whole nother area. Mm. You know? And they asked me to host over there. They said, you want to host uh, today over here? I said, nah, my, my stage that sometimes had 50, 60, 70,000 people and sometimes, you know, 200. And my stage was great. Nothing was ever thrown at me. Uh, it, you know, and I got to bring up some cool bands. I got to do a little material in time. And uh, so, it, it, you know, it was a, a, a great experience. I have, you know, I was in the tent getting food, you know, and 
the band Corn is behind me or Kid Rock and we're all standing in line getting food. And, you know, I was on the bus coming from the hotel to the venue with some guy. I go, you in a band? And he was famous. I didn't know who he was. I mean, I'm older. You know, if it was the Allman Brothers or Cretans or Cat Stevens or somebody, the Temptations, I would have known who it was, you know. Uh, you know, I kind of had an argument with the lead singer from Buck Sherry. Uh, you know, I had a little dressing room. It was a big trailer. This is a big trailer. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, they the bands had the big room with the couch and all that. The bear, and I had this little room with a recliner chair. So I walk into my little room from my door and I'm, I'm smoking a cigarette then. And some guy's in there, he goes, can you put that cigarette out? I go, who the fuck are you? I go, scram. And it was the lead singer. And to me- Lead singer from Buck Cherry who have a song called Lit Up all about, yeah. all about yeah. getting coked up. Yeah, but he was you know, working on his voice. And wow. I, I could see that he apologized later. I and see. when I watched him, I go, this is the best band on my stage. I went out and bought their CD right when I got home. So obviously, you know, they're the winners. Uh, you know, that but, album was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the movies. I love that song. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't blow up that band. I, I don't know if personal demons got them or what happened, but yeah, they, they kind of faded into oblivion. They were like the new Led Zeppelin to me. Kind yeah, of that sound, yeah. They had a certain rawness about them, maybe yeah, less, were, less less mystical messaging. I uh, also hosted a, a great show next to the Washington Monument. Uh, it was uh, a drug awareness show to let the people in D.C. know what was going on around the country. You know, kids were dying, overdosing on heroin and drugs. And so I got it the last minute and uh, Steven Tyler performed, not with Aerosmith by himself, uh, Cheryl Crow, some band called The Fray, all these. And I got to host, but I got to do material. Like I did 10 minutes up front because there was a lot of people in recovery there. So I got to do material there. And then at the end of the night, and I was bringing up all the bands there. And, uh, you know, Dr. Oz spoke, one of the Kennedys mm. spoke. It was a pretty cool event. At the end of the night, uh, Steven Tyler, Cheryl, all, they all came out and sang uh, Come Together by the Beatles. And it just, it, it was amazing, mm. you know. So, I, you know, so doing those big shows and then Bert's tour last week to top it off was just so much fun. Then I left Bird's tour, came home. And I went out to LA, uh, did the comedy store a couple of nights and some other club down by San Diego. And now I'm home for a couple of days, going to buy this house and then head to Austin. So, you know, I got to play golf because my first, let's see, I go to Austin on Thursday. Friday's my birthday. I'm performing on my birthday in Austin on Friday. So I have to play golf Friday afternoon. Uh, you may want to do it in the morning if you can, dude. It's a hundred plus degrees out here right now in the afternoons. That's nothing. That's kids play. I played in Arizona and Vegas in August. Okay. No, I will play in the morning, but it, it the heat doesn't bother me. Do you it's know what bad. Do you know what course you're playing yet? I have no idea. I'm waiting for Tony to get back to me. Uh, you know, Hinchcliffe. He's supposed to set it up, but 
if he doesn't, I'll play. You know, I know I played a course down there. I don't know. I don't. I'll. I'll have to Uber somewhere Friday. You know, I'm gonna want to play Friday, Sunday, uh, whatever. But I know. Suggest, I, if you need any suggestions, just email me. I'll uh, give you some. I'll give you some recommendations, and I may even be able to be able to hook you up somewhere. But Tony or Jamie or somebody like that will have yeah. you covered probably. I, I know I played a course. I think it was Greyhawk or Blackhawk. What was it? Blackhawk. It could have been. I think my. What the hell's going on out there? Oh God! Hold on. Close the door. You scared the daylights out of me. My kids come in in the back door. What are you doing? I'm doing a podcast. You scare me. The door's shaking. I thought somebody was trying to break in. Come say hi. No. No. All right. Fifteen-year-old. She's an ass. She's a real ass. I've got three daughters. I have one daughter at home, an eight-year-old girl and a six-year-old boy. Uh, how is uh, how has being the dad of teenage girls been for you? Well, here's the thing. One, my older daughters. Uh, let me turn this stupid phone off. Uh, my older daughters, you know, are thirty-two and thirty. One has a child, and they're both pregnant now. Uh, Your grandpa. Well, they're a dream. They turn out great. They really, I mean, I, I mean, my ex-wife is a good mom. And when we got divorced, we didn't, you know, I had them in the day. She had them at nights, mm-hmm. you know, because I was working nights. And so, you know, we always lived close together. Matter of fact, when I married Bonnie, we had a kid. You know, I lived in the same town where my ex-wife lived. You know, I moved here so I could be by my older daughters. She used to babysit our daughter, my mm-hmm. ex-wife. Uh, so I do know that in divorce, uh, the more you fight, the harder it is, the easier to get along with, especially between each other and with kids. You know, I used to spend Christmas Eve at my ex-wife's and stay over, you know, and wake up with my kids. So my kids, my older daughters grow up pretty stable. That's cool. This, this one is just brilliant when it comes to schoolwork. She's a straight A student, uh, but she's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> Raina, you know, like if you went into a room, it looks like a cyclone went right through her room. No, I, I don't know how they live like that. That that's often the sign of brilliance. Is that uh, that that chaos with which you surround yourself? <sighs> Can't get her face out of the phone. Uh, that is that is maybe the biggest challenge as a parent right now. Yeah, is finding some sort of point of moderation with technology. Well, I, my older daughters played basketball, high school basketball. My one daughter was uh, second team all county basketball player. You know, they both were starting guards. You know, my one daughter was a starting guard in ninth grade in high school. Both wow. of them. I would watch them. I mean, that was my excitement going to their games. You know, this one runs track. I, I say, you know, why don't you play, you know, basketball, softball? I'm not a lesbian. Uh, I go, you don't have <laughs> you know. So she runs runs track, which is stupid. What a dumb sport. Uh, is is it even a sport would be my retort. Yeah, it's, you know. It's yeah, athletic it's, uh, activity. Yeah. Uh, so, 
but she's the coolest, my youngest one. She's the coolest. She drives me nuts, but she's the best. You know, you have half boy and girl or girls. I have a girl and a boy and the girl is wicked smart. I mean, she's going into third grade. I feel like she reads at a junior high level and she's fiercely independent too, which the book smarts and the fierce independence, those are going to continue to serve her well in life. But us as the parents, we deal with the brunt of it at home. Like she's, she's pretty charming whenever she's out in public and she composes herself well, but all of the, uh, all of the potential evil manifests itself in our house. Yes. And ultimately we obviously still love her a lot, but that's like a big challenge right now is getting her to understand that we need to control her emotions and try and be a little bit more organized with things, but there, there's give and take. Nobody's perfect, obviously. And so we try not oh, to- Oh, she eight, eight she's years old. old. Yeah. You have it easy at eight, believe me. Yeah. Wait till she's 15 or 16. But as long as she's- like the kids, the technology they have now, they're so smart. They have so many, you know, different ways to learn. Even even watching those videos and stuff, they're learning a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, you know, my, my kid is it's just, she's brilliant. And she's funny. I mean, both of her parents are comics. Mm -hmm. But you have a boy, too. So you have that to fall back on, at least. I have all girls, yeah. you know. Uh, at least, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, it, 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 you can't, all, all the rewards are endless with kids, you know, and so are the nightmares, but, yeah. you know, it's it, whatever. So ESPN uh, radio, do you, do you focus on sports at all when you're doing this or? Um, it's, uh, it's part sports and part stupid news type stories. And then the other part is me. I have complete autonomy over the interviews that I set up. So, yeah. um, it's anybody who I would, I, I'm interested in having a conversation with, which with Austin finding itself as all of a sudden, like a stand up Mecca in this country. Yeah. Fortunately for me, cause I'm a nerd for the art form. It includes a lot of stand up comedians. I mean, it's cool to get to talk to you and big J and Greg Fitzsimmons. I mean, there's been so many people over the last couple of months since Rogan opened his place and like Austin's standup scene is elevated above where it was when it was just cap city pre COVID. And like, I, you know, I've been to the comedy mothership a bunch of times and just seen a variety of acts. And it's just, it's, it never, it's never going to lose its appeal to me because in a lot of ways, that is the last frontier where you can really speak openly about things. And assuming that that you're not just being completely ignorant with the stuff that you cover, maybe there's a larger point or maybe you're just trying to hit the ridiculousness of both sides of a given issue. Like it's it's never something that I will not love. And it's I, also uh, something that I that I'm that I I don't need. I, it's not like playing golf versus watching golf where I can play golf. I have a hard time watching golf. Like I can watch stand up on television, but it's, I am so much better off as a fan of the art form. If I'm in a crowd watching it in person. And by the way, it needs to be a club too. Like I'm, I'm close to done with the theater shows. I'm definitely done with the arena shows. I know you just talked about going on birds tour. It's just, yeah. it's not intimate enough for me to really well, appreciate what's happening on stage. Well, I mean, personally, I'm a club comic. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's what I, I love doing clubs. I yeah. could do 
material. I could do crowd work. It, you know, people could see facial expressions. You know, it's easier to work in the moment. I mean, it's a whole different vibe than the, even a theater or an arena. Mm-hmm. You know, clubs. I love doing clubs. You know, it's funny for Simmons. I just played golf with him Thursday when I was in L.A. We were laughing. We, we nonstop laughing all day long. Me and him. I bet. Uh, he. We, the first time we played, he beat me by one stroke. Next time we played, I beat him. And the other day, he beat me, and I I couldn't hit a ball. When I next time we play, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt. I'm gonna crush him. Uh, very funny guy. Uh, yeah, club comedy. Like when I was in Austin, I did a guest spot at at Rogan's room. I stopped there, and it was. It's a great city for comedy. It, yeah. It's you know I mean, it it's. They they're they just love comedy in Austin. It's a great city for it. And he that club's amazing too. It's it's a whole nother level. Of, yeah, of- yeah. What do you love about that club? Because I've spoken with numerous comedians who describe it as a comedian's comedy club. And much like with Bert's tour, it's it's really yeah. hard to find a flaw in that place from the crowd or if you're somebody who's getting up on stage. So what makes that club so special in your mind? Probably the best thing I love about it is that they're using me. <laughs> that's a pretty I mean, good I, quality uh i was there once the night i did a guest spot uh-huh and the audience was so pumped so you know the ups everything about it uh, look a comic is running it that knows comedy mm-hmm. he knows comedy. the guy booking it knows comedy because he's from la and he's adam adam yeah. so but mainly the owner you know, you get these other owners, they, you know, these other owners care about selling some of them, not all of them, you know, uh, chicken wings and drinks. They don't care. You know, you can light the wait staff on fire as long as you sell enough tickets. They don't care. You know, Joe knows good comedy. He's been around it. He's a comic. You know what I mean? He's... So he's putting in people that he he thinks will do well, or that he you know what I mean. He just knows it's it's better. I listen. There's other comics that own comedy clubs, mm. but they're more club owners than they are comics. He's more of a comic than he is a club owner. You know what I mean? And he has been bringing people in since he started building that club out. And he's at, he paused opening the club, I think, on at least a couple of different occasions based on feedback that he was getting. I think at one point, Louis suggested that he raise a stage in one of the rooms and do something else. So he decided to do that, and that delayed the opening by a month or two. And there may have been one other example also. I'm glad you mentioned the food, though, because I'm convinced – that that is one of the more savvy things that he's done with his club is refusing to serve food. That way you don't have the smell of the fryer wafting through the club and just one more distraction for people at tables. And then also the servers yeah. have to deal with while comics are up on stage t- uh, telling jokes. Who's going to spit out chicken wings to laugh. Right. If you have a mouthful of food, you're not going to let, you know, your head's in the table. Mm-hmm. I was working a club. I f- I lost it on the club owner. I almost, uh, it was a, uh, somewhere in Wisconsin, Kenosha, Kenosha, Wisconsin. So uh, uh, the club owner's an old guy. He's, 
got a lot of money. He owns a bunch of businesses in town. And I did the club once and it was good. Sold a lot of chickens. So I went back. Maybe it was, anyhow, he's going to try to sell food. He was selling food at the club, but he's, he wanted to put a bunch of new stuff on the menu. So as the people walk in, he had all these samples of whatever. Well, you know, people walk. Anyhow, when I'm on stage, he had the waitresses walking around handing out samples. I lost my mind. I, lo I, I go, are you fucking kidding me? Right. And before I went on stage, he goes, uh, you don't use the F-bomb. Anybody that says F-bomb should be shot. Okay. You don't shut up. Well, after, as you definitely that, should know in a comedy club. As that food is being passed out, uh, I said his F-bomb word a million times, <laughs> along with others. And I just walked off and yeah, I go, you're, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You, you don't pass out or it wasn't a, I'm not working Costco or a wedding, you jackass. I'm working <laughs> and this guy's handing out samples of little pieces of cake and nuts and whatever, you fucking idiot. What an idiot. Uh, what the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. They just don't know. They don't know. And that's what Joe knows. He's He knows. You know what I mean? That's why the club is so good. And... You know, it, it, the sound, everything, the sight, you know, from, you know, the one time I was there, the dressing room or the green room, you know, so I'm looking forward to that this week working there, uh, because it's, it's run well, you know, so it's been a good month to tour and comedy store and saying this, you know. I don't know what I have next. Oh, then I'm shooting a special next month for a half a half an hour special. Which is, at, uh, at the mothership or someplace else? No, in New York at the cutting room. Okay. It's, uh, Gas Digital, those guys, Lewis and they're uh love those uh, dudes. They're doing six of them. Uh myself, uh Kurt Mesker, who's super funny, uh yeah. Colin Terrell. I don't know, three some uh Girl, anyhow, they're taping July 11, 12, and 13th, hmm. or 10, 11, 12, at the Cutting Room. Free tickets to, to the taping at the Cutting Room in New York. Wow. I think it's 10, 11, and 12. And I'm taping mine on the 12th with Colin Terrell, an Irish guy, really funny guy from Ireland, hmm. I think, or unless, unless he has a fake accent. You know, <laughs> that's how they do it, you know. You get these guys that say they're handicapped and they're, you know, they come out all crooked and shit, but they're in the back playing hacky sack. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey, your, your time, I come walking out all. I was working at, I, I went, I was working at a club somewhere. And then I went to another club after my show to do just a spot on. And some host was, he comes up with a cane and he, he's half crooked and shit. And, uh, you know, and he's going, today's my birthday. And I went up there. I go, look, you can't have both. You can't have the, you can't have the fucking cane and your birthday. Take one or the other. Okay. <laughs> you can't get those, those applause, applause breaks on both. You know what I'm saying? Either leave the cane and walk out or don't say it's your birthday. It's too much. It's, it's, I don't like it. Makes sense to me. All right, last question, Rich. It is your birthday this Friday. What birthday is it for you? My uh, uh, my birthday. Yeah. What what number is it for you? 
oh, let's really look. I'm trying to meet some hot young girl in in Austin, and you want me to tell my fucking age? I'm trying to meet, you know, uh, uh, and I don't want somebody with a grandfather issue. Maybe somebody with a daddy issue. Okay, let's what re regardless of what that number is, the number is a big question mark. That's fine. Okay. What would whatever age you're about to be, Rich Voss, tell Rich Voss from 20 years ago. What about, do what about 20 years ago? What, what, what advice would you give Rich Voss from 20 years ago? Oh, to now? Yeah. Uh, Apple. <laughs> My Apple stock? Yeah, Microsoft. <laughs> you know, uh, wow. 20 years ago, I had 17 years sober already because I have 37 years sober. I know so, that's why I didn't that's why I didn't go 40 years ago because I think 40 years ago it's easy. It's like cut the BS yeah. now. 40 years ago I would have said uh you know when you buy freebase or whatever. Uh 37 <laughs> I would have said listen <laughs> be careful. Be careful. Sometimes it's soap. Uh <laughs> you know. Uh, I couldn't even imagine now partying or getting, I couldn't, I'd be dead, you know, with all the crap going on. I, you know, I, there is people listening or anywhere to think that they, you can stop. You can, if you give yourself a chance, it's, it, you know, the rewards are endless and just a day at a time. That's all you got to do. You don't worry about, down the road, you can stop. And I'm not preaching. I'm just saying from my experience, I was a full blown drug addict. Mm -hmm. And now I have three kids, a granddaughter, two more, you know what I mean? But everybody's life doesn't, you know, I, I did a lot of hard work, but one thing I can, one thing I can guarantee anybody that's trying to stop or wants to stop. I don't know what will become of your life, but I do know the obsession and compulsion to doing drugs and alcohol will be lifted at some point. Mm. That's what you're dealing with obsession and compulsion, and it will be lifted. And this is why my fan base stinks because they don't listen to me. <laughs> they go, if, if we stop, we might have to move out of our mom's basement. And, <laughs> uh, no, I hate to sound preachy, but you know, what the fuck? No, that's, hey, that's great advice. That's uh, that's kind of what I was asking for there. He is Rich Voss. Oh, I'm got all his great work at uh, richvoss.com. And I just checked, and I'm actually rushing this to air. I'm airing it on a Monday night on the radio show before it ends up on the podcast on Tuesday because there's only one show this weekend that still has tickets available. It's the late show on Friday. These are going to be gobbled up by tourists. If you living in Austin right now, don't get your ass off the couch or out of your chair or, or uh, take a break from your from driving the car. Go to ComedyMothership.com and get tickets to The Late Show on Friday. You will thank me later, not just because it's a cool comedy club, but because Rich Voss is freaking hilarious. This has been proven over the last uh, 25 minutes or so. All right. Thanks for your time. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. And thanks to you for hanging out. For more of the show and to connect on social media, visit BooksOnPod.com. We'll talk to you next time on Books on Pod. Thank you.